User Grindstaff Publishing audio files. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Grindstaff Publishing uh, podcast. This is your host, Tyler Grindstaff. Um, hopefully, you just listened to the Room to Rome Chapter 8 Germany audio book um, before this. Uh, it talks all about um, my travels in Germany um, and going from Copenhagen to Hamburg to Berlin. Um, this is an interesting chapter because this starts part two of the book, which is uh, Alone, because if you've been following along, um, my really good friend Reed, who had been traveling me through Scandinavia, um, he just went back home and then after two weeks, and then now I woke up in Copenhagen um, alone and like, okay, here we go, we're going to do this thing, and I was going to go down to Germany. So the morning started going down to the train depot, which is a crazy mess like most train depots are in uh, major cities so I was uh, down in the train depot people everywhere um, I bought my um, my bus ticket online that morning so I was really confident in myself I had my headphones and I was feeling good feeling cool feeling like I got this um, up until then Reed had done all of the planning and the ticket buying and everything so I was like this is my first time doing all this stuff on my own poor planning on my part definitely um, then, uh, so then as my bus starts or my bus departure time gets closer and closer, I started thinking, okay, well, I probably need to get, find my bus and get ready to go and everything. So I was looking around, wandering around, still not rushed, still not, not any, any kind of hurry looking at the, um, the, the tickers and the schedulers and everything and at all trains. And I was like, well, that's weird. Why, why aren't there any bus, you know, any kind of bus, um, schedules up here? Um, so I found this uh, very put together, um, what what would turn out to be very rude, um, Danish uh, security lady worker. I'm not sure what she was, but I asked for for her help. I said, well, you know, I, I have this bus ticket, and I showed her on my phone, and in a very plain, very kind of you're an idiot um, accent and tone, being like, we don't serve those buses here. That's a third party. So basically, you're shit out of luck. Um, good luck. At that point, I I about shit my pants. I was like, oh my God, what do I do now? And so I went from being like super calm and collected to being like, oh my God, I got to figure out this situation right now. This is a big situation. So I I literally burst out of the train train depot. Um, I started seeing buses. Okay, there's a bus, there's a bus. Okay, where are they going? Okay, they're going to there. That's the wrong company. So, okay, that's not right. And I circled the, the big train depot a couple times, like, and I had like less than 10 minutes till the bus was leaving. And so I was super freaked out. Um, it was, it was just like a super chaotic mess. My anxiety reached all time high. And, um, the minutes kept ticking down like eight down to five minutes, down to three minutes left. Couldn't find the damn bus. And then like, and it was getting really, really close. And finally I saw the green, of the bus from way far away, probably a hundred yards away. I'd be like, Oh my God, I, I there it is. And so I take off literally sprinting. Um, there's like only, only one earbud in and in, in my ears and like my, my, my backpack's flopping from, from, from side to side. I'm sweating. People are looking at me like I'm crazy. 
Across the street, I see the bus. On top of it, it has Hamburg. It has a departure time, which is now. Um, and I, I look up at the bus driver. Him and I make clear eye contact. He shrugs at me and then pulls out from the curb. I'm yelling, please stop, please stop. I need to get on that bus. And he turns, gives me one last behind-the-shoulder look and just basically, you know, thanks, eh, whatever, and then drives on. And like I say in the book, like a romantic comedy, I start chasing this bus down the street. I'm in the middle of the street, and my <laughs> my um, my headphones are flopping behind me. They're on the asphalt. I'm sweating profusely. I go as fast as I can, and then he turns a corner, and he's gone. And I stand there in the middle of the road in Copenhagen and just think, I am a complete idiot. Like, what am I doing? And at that moment, with my headphones on the ground and sweat and people looking at me like I am crazy, um, I'm like, I this is not how I want my first thing, my first literal independent thing I did on this trip be I fail. And instantly, you know, I should go home. I should call my mom, get get some money set over real quick. I should just call this thing over. I'm done. I can't do this. With some kind of weird confidence that welled up in me, I was like, nah, just stop it. Like what tears were kind of forming. I was like super ready to cry. I was like, no, just get together. Just get together. So I got out of the street, um, luckily, which had no one, no cars on it, out of the street. I took some deep breaths and I was like, holy shit, what am I going to do? I walk into the train depot. I compose myself as best I can. I, um, I search around. I find um, a, a train going to Hamburg in like three hours or something like that. I pay the ticket money, which is actually like three times more than what my, my bus ticket I had already paid for was. And I just sat down. And I sat amongst the people of I've just... I'll, a lot of nationalities, um, of people uh, that were well off, that were not well off, had money. People that were eating, they were, you know, always saying their their goodbyes and all this emotion. I was thinking to myself, like, it's just me. I have to get to Hamburg and just take it one day at a time. Plan better. Never let that happen again. And, and that was a promise. Um, you know, I've been saying this this entire podcast situation that. It was it was imperative that I I maintain that spontaneity as best as I could. But as as my independent travel kept going along, it was very obvious that I couldn't just be like, oh, I'm just gonna let everything just kind of go as it as it falls. There had to be certain things like like travel days had to be planned out. You know, 24 hour hostels had to be planned out. Like it was starting to become like one of those things where it's like the story is great. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all fun and games to say, I'm going to have a spont- spontaneous, but there are, there are times when you have to be, you know, a, a responsible person and be like, okay, well, to get, to get this done and the budget I have will take more than just, you know, roaming around and just, you know, not having much to show for it. So I was off to Hamburg, like I said, in the audiobook, um, it was strange to go from being on a train to the train being on a boat and then the boat going across and landing in Hamburg and once again my not planning really showed itself because there I was in Hamburg bustling 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 city just train station was going crazy and people going everywhere German was spoken everywhere and just 
I was just super lost. So after all the anxiety that I, I went through and all the just being terrified of not being able to do it in Copenhagen, I landed in Hamburg and I was like, oh my God, this overwhelming feeling of, oh my God, I, I, this, is, this is one more step in the wrong direction. And so in like a movie scene, um, all the people were rushing around me and I kind of put, pressed myself against the glass of this travel agency. Um, and I was okay, just get the map going on my phone. I'll be good to go. Map wouldn't work, of course. Um, I kind of just silently went inside the travel agency and got a free map. Luckily they had one. And then I just kind of tried to gain my composure and just slowly and deliberately found my way to my hostel very late, but I made it. Um, the hostel was its own little thing because, you know, I, I went from being the train station, which is, you know, in, in the more interior downtown part of Copenhagen, I went around this beautiful, you know, sailing ship infested, um, you know, pond that had like geese and people around it. And it was very beautiful through this, like all the churches and this historical stuff and kept almost like going into this degradation of the city until I got to this like kind of grimy, very punk rock of the 80s, maybe 70s scene. People in like bright, bright colored mohawks and combat boots and graffiti. And then there was my hostel. And I was like, well, fantastic. I found this hostel. I'm two hours late. And yet I'm amidst this graffiti laden, you know, buildings. And it was just like, okay, I guess I'm home. So I, uh, I, I went inside, kind of got, got, got berated by the um, hostel manager saying I was two hours late and how lucky I am that, uh, that I had a bed for the night. He didn't give it away. Um, I went in, I went, I, he, he had, had me go up to the top found my dorm and then um, opened the door and there were two guys and we just basically talked about American politics for the better part of an hour and it really kind of fortified what I had been hearing um, before going to Europe and how people over there are so much more informed um, about our politics and what's going on in America and they actually know and care whereas you know I, I, I couldn't have named you um, the names of their prime ministers, which one was Turkey and one was Romania. I can't even tell if they had prime ministers who they have, you know, was it like kind of monarchy? I, I, I couldn't have told you. And so it, it really, it was really a really good experience because, you know, it was 2015. So, you know, the, the fight between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump was like, was really kind of getting vicious and, um, it was just kind of just getting that, that starting of like, man, this could really happen. And, and one of the first things they asked me was like, are you guys really serious about Donald Trump being your president? And I was like, yeah, well, people are gonna, probably going to vote for him. Yeah. And, you know, I was super against him from the very beginning. Um, but yeah, it, 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 their interest in him and, and interest in, in, their poli- in our politics of America was so interesting. You know, granted, they were political science majors, but it was a... It was the beginning of, of something that I, I, I kept noticing was that no matter who I talked to, you know, the vast majority of people um, that were European knew what was going on. They knew, they knew about world politics. They knew about world history. They knew about world events. Whereas, you know, our American isolationism that has followed us, you know, since the beginning always kind of reared its head where it's like, I, I couldn't tell you what was happening in, in Europe at the time. I couldn't tell you how Germany was set up. I couldn't tell you about the prov- the provinces and the, you know, the difference between Bavaria and that southeastern part of Germany versus the north. I, I couldn't have told you. I couldn't have told you. 
And so it it really kind of brought forth that that thing I kept on hearing about the whole quote unquote stupid American, dumb American that only cares about what's in front of them. And in that early stage of Hamburg, I was just very determined to kind of buck that system and being like, I don't want to just be this non-traveling, you know, dumb American. I, I want to be this person that's informed. And I, I hoped that, you know, traveling and going to different parts of the, the world, meeting people from different parts of the world would really help me kind of go against that and become a better, you know, more well-rounded, well-rounded person. And um, the fact that I was the first, the first person in, in my in my family that had gone to a university that had graduated with a bachelor's degree, you know. And now I was I was the first person to, I'm pretty sure the first person to leave America, um, and you know I, I I felt confident in my knowledge of art history. I felt confident in basic world history that I could you know kind of bounce off off. So that that first entrance into you know true political um, you know talks and historical talks of the world and, and the nature of the world and the events happening, the refugee crisis, everything, it felt nice to be able to be like, okay, yeah, I, I can hold my own. I, I don't know as much as these guys do, um, but it, it was nice to kind of get that, you know, bounce off material from the Turkish guy and the Romanian guy that were really cool and young guys that were actually had a good head on their shoulders. So it was fun. And after that, I went in search of, um, you know, currywurst, um, currywurst, which is what's, what, what Reed was very much saying, like, you have to have this food is so good. I found that I got some cheap, cheap alcohol, which was great because it was, it was a cheap bottle of red wine, which was Scandinavia was so hard to find because it, the alcohol tax, the sin tax in um, Scandinavia in general, um, particularly in Norway, uh, everything was so expensive. So it was so nice to have a cheap dinner, um, find a cheap bottle of red wine, go back to the hostel and um, I, I just didn't want to talk to anybody. It was nice to be like, okay, I, could, I just need a place to sit and think. So I went out, out into the hostel's courtyard, um, and I just was a bottle of wine, glass, and a journal. And it was just this massive decompression. And it was so nice after, you know, that crazy day. And all that happened, like going from waking up alone in Copenhagen, you know, embracing that aloneness, the isolation, and then immediately falling on my face and being like, holy shit, now I, I just screwed this up, the bus situation. I went to Hamburg, screwed it up again, and didn't know what the hell I, where the hell I was going. I, I got lost many times. I finally made it to the, uh, the hostel. And then all that over the course of like 12 hours. And I just was finally in the, uh, the hostel's courtyard in Hamburg. And just each sip of wine and each line written in the journal was just uh, further you know, realization that I can do this, I have to take this day by day, and it's not going to be pretty at first, but I can do this three-month trip. So and all, all that and, and what Hamburg really meant to me was that first real step of like, I'm going to do this all on my own. And just thinking about it now, it, it's, it's interesting the whole meta, metaphors and the metaphorical nature of it because Reed and I, you know, traveled throughout Scandinavia, which is, you know, a uh, detached from your the continental Europe and then when he left and I was alone I stepped onto continental Europe and so it, it's I saw that it's interesting that you know that was my first time being alone was when I was on this giant continent of Europe and I was in Germany and and this whole line around Europe really made a lot of sense 
the next the next day, um, you know, I I did my normal traveling around Hamburg, you know, kind of trying to get to a high spot, trying to get hit like these spots that were cool. Um, the, the audiobook goes into detail about that. Um, it, Hamburg was fantastic. It, it, it was beautiful, great. It was like that small town, big town vibe that was really cool, historical, modern, just that really awesome mix of, you know, European cities have such a really awesome grasp of that they can be modern and architecturally old. They can be culturally significant, but yet, you know, be pushing the boundary forward. So Hamburg offered me a lot of just really awesome things and good good people I met, really good food, really good awesome beer. And then, um, you know, after that, after about um, a day, two days of Hamburg, I went over to um, Berlin. That went a little, little better. I found my bus right off the bat, um, a cheap bus, got to Berlin, screwed up again. Um, I, I can't read a damn map, apparently. I can't, I can't plan things, apparently. And so instead of, you know, getting dropped off right next to my hostel, I got dropped off five miles away from my hostel. And that was fun because then... I got dropped off in a very residential area. Um, they weren't projects, but they were definitely low-income places, which is, you know, fine. I, I never would have been to that place without having them made that mistake. So I was just trekking. It was a beautiful day. It was in the morning. So, you know, looking back, it wasn't like a mistake. It wasn't a giant mistake, but it was definitely like, okay, I got to put that in the books, try it again next time, do better. Um you know, went through really a lot of cool places, saw, you know, real life Berlin. And then um, I, I started getting closer. I started seeing bigger buildings, seeing, you know, nicer dressed people. I was okay, I have to get be closer to the, the touristy part. And then um, I got to this place that kind of looked like a construction area. And people were kind of, you know, scooting in, scooting out. A lot of people were gathering here and there. And I was like, oh, well, what is this? Um, I turned into this 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 walled off place and, and I found myself at the Berlin Wall. Um, again, having not done any real research into it, I knew, you know, the broad history of what the Berlin Wall was, what it, what it signified, the history of it when it fell. But I didn't know that there that there was still a major chunk of it, like, a you know, blocks, blocks of it, you know, spreading out um, through Berlin alone. And so I, I just happened to find this open air museum kind of thing that was totally free and it had a, you know, it had a basically an excavated feel where there were like, you know, parts underneath the bridge, um, the wall that were excavated out. There was a lot of placards with history information here and there. And it was just great to see this, uh, you know, th this piece. And it actually looking back, it was probably the first piece of history that I was like, oh my God, that's, I know that, that will, I remember reading about that in history. And so, uh, you know, after two weeks of, of going throughout Europe, you know, there were, you know, I, I had, I had heard of, you know, uh, Stockholm, but I didn't, I couldn't have told you anything about their architecture, what happened there. We didn't really go into that. And so when we went, when I, when I saw the Berlin wall, I was like, holy shit, that, that is, I know what that is. That fell the year I was born in 89. And I, you know, I, I knew about that. And so it was, it was a first real time where I was like, oh my God, I, I know what's happening. I know this story. Instead of just being like, oh, well that seems culturally significant. I should probably put that in the memory bank. And so I just kind of stumbled across, you know, one of the biggest parts of, of um, you know, modern German history and the Berlin Wall is right there and all it's cracked, broken, graffiti, you know, concrete, you know, beauty. So that was awesome. It, it was so cool to be like, oh my God, this is tangible. So that was when I was like, okay, this is gonna be good. I, I, 
I have, you know, this is like my, my first city where I'm like, okay, I, I can get my bearings. I got this. And so I got to my hostel. It was a lot, a lot more of a, a really nice feel, a lot more modern. And, um, I walked in and it was a, it was one of the bigger, bigger kind of dorm, dorm situation rooms. I'd find a lot more in continental Europe. And so walked in and there was like probably eight bunk beds. So 16 beds in total, four on each wall. And, um, and so I, I, I found my, my bunk. Um, I, I went to the top bunk and there were, there were kind of a few people here and there. They were all really young European people, half guys, half girls. And I kind of just, we kind of said, you know, highs and whatever. And then I just took off. I was like, okay, I have to get out of here. Like I, you know, the, the sun was kind of going down cause you know, that, that walk took a while and then just here and there did some stuff, ate some lunch and everything. And then, so by the time I got to the hostel, it was probably like five o'clock. Um, you know, it's it like getting ready to get the evening time feel. I was okay. Well, I picked this hostel because it was right where it was. It was right. It was basically right next to Checkpoint Charlie, um, the whole Berlin Berlin Wall thing. And then I was okay. Well, I can get to the Brandenburg Gate really quick. And so I just put my stuff there, said hi to everybody, and they just poof, took off um, and rushed, 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 rushed to the Brandenburg Gate. I got there right as the um, as like the dusk was kind of happening. So it was like the sun was just about to start getting in that, that yellow light of photography, that beautiful time. And so I got to the Brandenburg gate. It was just crowded with people, hundreds of people sitting there waiting for that shot that I was trying to get. I got this cool picture and I was okay. I, my map says I'm really close to the victory column. And so I, I just all, but all, but ran, I was like walking as fast as possible. My six foot three stride, just like, just like trying to go as fast as possible. I saw the lady, you know, I saw the victory column way down the way the purples and the yellows came in and I just like got some pictures and I was like, Oh my God, I, all this stuff. I know, I know this stuff. It's all from history. And so it just felt so good. And, and I, I got pictures of that. I got on top of that, saw the bullet holes in it still. I was like, man, now, now what can I see? What do I know? And I came back, back to the Brandenburg gate, looked at that, admired that, went to the, um, the, uh, the Berlin cathedral and that castle. Awesome thing. That very Gothic, kind of feel that Hitler likes so much and that would kind of try to duplicate that uh that prog feel that he liked and so you know that was beautiful um and then I finally went I was like okay I, I did it like I, I spent myself I, I got I got this big old bratwurst I got a beer it was like oh my god this German 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 I got back to the hostel and um it was I don't know probably 11 o'clock at night and I was okay. Well, you know, the hostel I've been been to recently is pretty independent. Everyone kind of does their own thing. And I got back there into my room. And it was just like these people were educated. You know, they were mostly in college or just out of college. Um, there were probably I don't know eight of us there at that point. That point, six of us there at that point. And there were people from England and and India, um, Australia, Germany. Um, it was it was just great. And um, the there was a vending machine in the main lobby that that you you can get beer at. And so you know, people would like, you know, go out and, you know, pay, pay money and get it, get an arm, you know, an armful of beer, bring it back. We drink the beer, we talk. And it was like the, it was really the first time where I got that true communal feel of a hostel where you get there and you have no idea who you're going to meet. You don't know anybody. Um, but everyone's there for the same reason. Everyone's there to see something new. You know, I, there are people in that particular instance that were living there, um, because they had, because they're, the universities had filled up on on dorms, so they had to like, you know, live in a place that was close. So a room opened up. The people traveling, people doing the, the the gap year thing, people just, 
you know, figuring, oh, Berlin sounds nice. Um, but it was just, everyone was educated. The, the girls were great. The guys were great. Everyone was just inquisitive and asking questions. There was no prejudice involved. There was just really kind of like progressive feel. And I learned so much in, the, in that night. And we just drank beer and talked. And it was just fantastic. And it really got me to thinking that this hostel thing, the, the, the hostel ideal that people always talk about, because it really is an ideal. It doesn't happen every time. But it's an ideal that people th- talk about. And they're like, you know, that's what hostels are. And it's not about just finding the cheapest place. It's not about finding the grimiest place. It's about finding that perfect mixture of like, like-minded people who want to keep traveling and seeing you know, beautiful things and learn new things. But they're doing it on the cheap. They're doing it the right way. They're do- and they're, they were all young and we're all just like, you know, inquisitive and curious and trying to push that boundary of trying to figure out what it means to explore and travel. And, and it just culminates in this backpacking experience that only a few times it happened in my three months of backpacking. But there are times when everything comes together and this perfect storm happens that you meet people that have similar interests and similar ideals as you, but you're from so many different parts of the world. And yet no matter where you came from, we're all humans and we all have the same ideas involved and we can come together and we're trying to figure things out. And if that, you know, it helps when you're, when you're, when you're similar ages or you have similar things you're doing like traveling and you get to push people in progressive ways. And, you know, we asked questions, we figured out about German politics and, you know, people were curious about my stuff. I was curious about, you know, the English girl stuff, what book she was reading. Um, you know, why was the Indian guy here? I, I hadn't met, met an Indian guy yet. Why was he here? Um, and it, it was it was so interesting to get all that, those that kind of, everyone was just there for a reason. And that reason was travel and cheap travel at that. Um, after, after that, um, we woke up pretty hungover. Um, I don't know how late we were up, but um, woke up probably, I don't know, seven o'clock because I, I couldn't sleep. Um, got woke up from, from a late, late partying guy that kind of crashed in at seven thirty or seven o'clock or whatever. So I, um, you know, after a few hours of sleep, I just, I, I got out and was took in the morning, um, you know, got my traditional or what, what would come a pretty common thing was like, woke up hungover. Ah, crap. Wake up early, find a bakery, croissant, black coffee, walk, 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 and just like get out, get the cool air, explore, explore. And so, um, the next day was was spent kind of going through more like the historical stuff and like going out into the historical districts and seeing beautiful things and sculptures and and you know old churches and stuff like that. Um, the The last day was cool because the last day um, I knew I was going to go to Poland at, at that night, and so it was very cool because it was a day that felt like a normal day. Like I I, I knew I had to go at the end of that day. And so I, I took off and, um, you know, and, and I, I needed shirts. So I had to go find some shirts. So luckily I, I went to this big park and they had, um, this big kind of flea market, um, thing or not flea market, but I guess like this, this, uh, this like a, like Saturday market, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And they had vendors of all different kinds. And there were like people that were, you know, very much like hippie German people. And they were like, you know, straight up gypsies. And, um, and people had like so much different kind of, you know, food fair. Um, and it was just amazing. So many smells, so many people, colors, and just beautiful things. 
I ended up buying um, some socks from a gypsy lady. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I, I need some t-shirts, so I need some, let's get that. And so really quickly, I realized this is like, this is like a normal day anyway. Like you have, you have to be a human, you have to do normal things. And so I went to, um, like H and M for the first time. Um, that was funny. And I was like, okay, I just need some cheap t-shirts and ended up finding, um, a t-shirt that was from, Por- that said Portland, Oregon on it. That was hilarious. And I found a, um, a shirt that was all about the redwoods of California. And so it, it, I just remember thinking how funny it was that here I was, a West Coast American, basically from Portland, Oregon, um, and I was in Germany of all places, and I found shirts that were built for people that were there in Europe, and they're like, hey, we should like, you know, you know, have a tire like the West Coast people of America. It was so weird. Um, I tried to explain how interesting it was and how, you know, Kismetian, I guess it was that isn't this strange that here I am in America from the West Coast and I'm buying this stuff here in Germany to the cashier guy. He couldn't have cared less. And he's like, cool, that'll be 10 euros or whatever it was. And then so at that point, I, I knew I wasn't going to be exploring any kind of major themes. So I, um, I'm sorry, this isn't the last day. This is the second to last day. My apologies. And so um, I, I finished there and I was like, yeah, I kind of want to watch a movie. So I went and um, watched the movie Everest um, at this giant um, IMAX theater that was beautiful. Um, and so, and then, uh, then that made me want to be home really bad. So I had my first feeling of nostalgia, um, or homesickness, I guess, which is so weird. Cause I was like, I've only been in Europe for like 16, 17, 18 days. And yet I'm like, Oh my God, like I miss, I miss America. I miss my people. I know I miss my family. And you know, the, the movie, movie was all about these, uh, you know, is all with American actors and stuff. And, and so hearing their accents made me homesick and just, it was just so weird. And I came out of it and I was like, oh my God, I'm still in Berlin. And I was like, man, this is crazy. And I felt stupid for being like, I, why am I like not sad, but why am I homesick when I'm on this epic trip? And it was just so weird. And I was in the middle of this, like, kind of feel bad for myself thing. And I was like, ah, oh, McDonald's, that sounds good. What's more American than McDonald's? So I went and I had a Big Mac um, at a McDonald's in Berlin. And I felt on one hand, so ridiculously stupid and being like, what am I doing? And the other hand being like, this is what I needed. I needed like a, I needed a day where I felt normal because, you know, when it was so weird because I I thought about numerous times with the whole photography thing about it. And that my job that I took on myself for three months was the only thing I had to do was see beautiful things take pictures of those beautiful things and hopefully gain something out of that day. That was the only job I had for 94 days. And so I think there was part of me that felt intrinsically a little bad about that, that I was like, you know, doing this epic trip and people I knew were just living the normal lives. Like my mom was doing her normal job. People, my friends were doing their normal jobs and they were just doing their normal thing. And here I was on this epic trip. And I think it happened a few times where they're just kind of normal days, like just just hangout days. And, um, and that was my first of it. And so I, it, it really felt nice to have to capture that normalcy. Um, and it was something that I kept looking back on where there'd be days when I'd be traveling, 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 I'd be on the moon, loving it. And then there's just like, it's kind of like, man, I just need to have this, you know, reset. I need to have this centering, centering. And, um, it took, it was only in Berlin when I had that. I didn't really have that feeling because with, with Reed being there in Scandinavia with me, 
he was like that, that bit of home that I kind of carried with me. Um, but then when he was gone, I didn't have that anymore. And so I, I felt myself needing that and I needed to have that, you know, that, that normalcy there. And so as this, as this podcast goes on and these discussions happen and, and more importantly, the audiobook keeps on getting spoken about or going through it. There are, there are points when I kind of call them normal days or whatever. And, and it's just like, they, they make you feel normal. They make you feel like, you know, on these big trips. And, and I, I was only gone for three months. There are people that were going, they were going to be gone for a year, two years, whatever it is. And, um, more power to them. Cause after 94 days, I was ready to go home. I was very ready. I mean, I loved every second of every day, but the days that were the, the, the maybe the, some of the strangest days, but maybe the most important days were the, to, for longevity wise was to realize that even though you're, you're still traveling, you're just, you're in this completely foreign place, literally foreign place, normally surrounded by languages you don't understand. It was so nice to, uh, just kind of to step back and be like, no, I need to, I need to have a normal day. I need a shower. I, I need to have taste of home. I need to have, you know, pictures of home and just looking through that stuff and kind of a reset. So, um, yeah, it, it, looking back at that, it was very important to do those kind of things. And, um, and now doing this discussion, I never really thought about how pivotal, um, the, uh, Germany was because it, it just really showed, um, that for one, I could do it. I could, I could do this trip on my, on my own. It showed that I needed to have normalcy. It was okay to have an off day. And that off day was literally just doing my own thing. Um, and, and it really showed me that, that, that there was a way to do this that was my way. Um, and I think before that, I thought there was Reed in my way. It was Reed's way, and I was involved in that with him. But when he wasn't there, it really showed me that I could do it on my own and that there, there was more to explore. And when you explore your own way and you have it and you only see the things you want to see and you force yourself to continually you know, grow, talk to people, you know, expand that part of the trip as well. It really, it really makes it grow because, you know, if you wanted to, you, you know, you could just go float around, not touch really anybody, be a, be a loner and just do your own thing. But when, when Germany like really showed me that people were interested and that people, you know, e- even though I was this, you know, lone guy in Europe, uh, it, it still, it didn't matter. People wanted to talk to me and I want to talk to them. And it was just so nice to get that feeling. So I guess the discussion part of this is that, you know, as far as writing, I, I don't really know. There's nothing really unique about this chapter in particular. Um, but just as far as the idea, though, it was it, it's definitely that, you know, this is the first time being alone. So um, next up will be Poland. Um, hope to get that get that one up fairly soon. Um, but yeah, Poland, it was it was a it was like that the dreaded like Eastern European thing that you know, I guess I was kind of forced to be scared of or like dubious of um, growing up and stuff. Maybe that Cold War thing was kind of always still a little prevalent in America, still probably is. But yeah, Poland was one of those things where I was like, man, should I go? I don't know. Like it's pretty East. I don't know. Is it dangerous? Is it sketchy? And um, in the end, it was wonderful. I, I had, it was probably my my most surprising country and it was so much fun. So Hopefully you enjoyed the German um, German chapter. Um, hopefully the audio book has suited you guys. And um, next up is Poland. Thanks for listening.